Welcome to Exit Point. This is Lo, and with me is Matt Blank. We've been wanting to showcase Sarah Taz on the podcast, not just because she's a top-tier wingsuit bass athlete, or because of her colorful background, or for the work that she continues to do in the community for Moab, but now because she's earned the most exclusive title in bass jumping, Fallen Angel. When we say Fallen Angel, we're talking about people who have gone past the point that should be survivable in the death zone so firmly that their consciousnesses are in the process of detaching from their body and preparing for transcendence. And figuratively, standing at the pearly gates, waiting for St. Peter, and then by a combination of genius skill, incredible luck, and divine intervention combined, got pulled out of that line and sent back to Earth to hang out with us. And so I think we're incredibly lucky to even get the opportunity to talk to Taz. And before we get into her amazing story, I'd love to just get a little bit of a brush on her character. Lo, how would you describe Sarah Taz? Well, anyone who has read Taz's story in the Great Book of Bass knows she's had quite a harrowing journey through bass jumping and is now legit an elite flyer. Her story reminds me of a quote from Hunter S. Thompson. Luck is a very thin wire between survival and disaster, and not many people can keep their balance on it. Now, I say that in the most flattering sense possible. She is a skillful line walker. I agree with you, and I I think that is a great compliment. In my book, somebody who walks the line is somebody who knows it's all on the line and plays it like there's nothing to lose. And so I'm excited to get into her about what that is like and uh, what her experience was going over the line. Without further ado, let's get Taz on the track. So welcome to the podcast, Taz. Uh, Before we get into the story, we want to flash forward and can you give us the condensed version of what just went down? Um, yeah, I can say it in just a few words. I basically just went in. I hit the mountain in flight with nothing out. And survived. I guess so, (laughs) since I'm here talking. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Uh, What were the extent of the injuries? Uh, I tried to lose my nose and slightly took it off my face. And I'm missing a few teeth as well as a decent concussion that I took three weeks to recover from. But that's it. I didn't have a scratch or a bruise on my body. Wow, this is amazing. Now, like, let's, let's, before we get into the nitty gritty, let's, for the listeners, let's flash back and talk a little bit about who you are and how and why you got into base jumping. Whew. Uh, I'm going to try to make this relatively short. Um, I went to Burning Man. I got on an observer ride. I saw people skydive. I was mind blown. I wanted to come back and do the same. So I signed up for my A license. And as I just got done with my AFF, one of the TI instructor called Kevin asked me if I wanted to ground crew, which was Chinese to me back then. I had no idea what that meant. Meant then he told me he wanted to jump from a bridge. I asked him if he was going to skydive from the bridge. <laughs> and mm. I had no idea. And I got there like, um, yeah, and we started getting closer as I drove him there. I was supposed to just drop him off at the Auburn, Auburn Bridge and pick him up at the bottom. 
but I was so excited that he asked me to come and watch him jump and come on the steel of the bridge with him and I almost followed him off with no rigs on and I was hooked I knew that's what I wanted wait what do you mean you almost followed him off yeah I literally almost jumped you know this French expression I don't know why in English there's nothing to describe this but you know this feeling you get sometimes when you're standing on the edge and you're scared that you're going to jump even though totally. you don't have a rig on yeah, like, but something right. like sucks you in in French, it's got a name, and it's called l'appel du vide, which means uh, the calling of the void. And I guess I got it real hard because I almost fucking jumped off right behind him. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I, I get that experience a lot, too. When I, I, I have to remind myself, you're not wearing a rig right now. Can you say yeah. that uh, phrase again from French? That's good. I'm going to try and steal that one. L'appel du vide. L'appel du vide. The call the of the void. Of the void. So the that's uh, the void, yeah. Is that why you got into base jumping then? The void called you? L yeah, like literally I was like, oh, cool. I belong here. I need to do this. Like there was no question. I had to. I lived in London. I was actually uh, like uh, working in music videos there and I was married and I had a cat and I was wearing super nice clothes and I was like, I need to throw all of this in the garbage and start base jumping. Well, yeah, while we're on that topic, can you uh, take us through like your upbringing and then your, um, you know, uh, travel from uh, Europe to the United States? So I was born in Paris and I was born and raised there and I was there all the way until my 22nd or 23rd birthday, something like that. When I decided because of a lot of reasons, um, one, the fact that I absolutely hated Paris and Parisians. Number two, that I didn't speak, I didn't speak English and I really felt like I should learn because it's a life skill. And then I wanted something more fun and I used to always go to London to just go rave and party and I thought people were super open-minded there and cool. And so a boy broke my heart too, which helped run away and I ran away to London and then I learned English because I had no choice. I lived there and I started working as a graphic designer and music, doing music videos and all sorts of things that I can't really explain on the podcast. And then, <laughs> uh, and then I went to Burning Man and I did went through that a license old circle of fast forward back to the Auburn Bridge and yeah, London was out of my mind at that point. All I needed was to go there, grab the things I needed and move back to the US. I have a similar story. Uh, when I started base jumping, I knew that this was something that I needed to live full time. And I completely 180 my life to live that dream. And so I totally understand. I think that uh, my onboarding to base jumping was a little bit different, uh, but I, I totally understand. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it does it. Base jumping spray strong. I feel like it kind of like grabs you deep. And <laughs> so. I'm always uh, more excited to jump with jumpers that I feel called to base jump. Uh, somehow they're less scary to jump with than the ones who are still like testing the waters. Like those <laughs> ones, uh, 
it, it almost feels like there's a little bit more risk involved than uh, the people like you and Lo who have come to the sport having like been compelled to jump off the cliff. And it's like, well, I mean, if, if you're compelled to do it, <laughs> I, <laughs> I yeah, have no arguments sure. against. That's, that's just who you are. What did you think of skydiving? I mean, because you used that as a vehicle to get into base, as it sounds like. Uh, yeah, I had zero interest in it after start like get, discovering base jumping. I because I feel like skydiving, um, it takes a minute to be good, and before you're good, it's like not that cool. It's okay, you know, it's fun, <laughs> but like. It's not like the most pleasant experience. I don't love uh, the plane ride. Uh, I don't love how brutal it is outside the door, how loud everything is and stuff. So don't get me wrong. I, like, I liked it. I had fun. But after tasting bass, I was like, I'm just going to do that. That's way more of my jam. It's quiet. It's peaceful. You're alone. There's literally nothing but just you. And yeah, I love that. So... Now that we're back onto base jumping, maybe you can take us through some notable events in your base career, which is pretty storied. Any moments stick out to you as um, I, like those landmark it, moments? It's unfortunate because I feel I love base jumping. It's brought so much joy and magic in my life. But I feel like the most memorable moments are also like not so fun moments. <laughs> um, I mean, as soon as I got into it, um, the person I was with died. So I would say um, that was a pretty significant moment in my career, even though my career was very short back then. So, Can you take us through that story a little bit? I know that it's in the Great Book of Bass, which I highly encourage anyone to read, and especially the story of Taz, which is incredible. Uh, can you take us through uh, the points that... Uh, yeah, Kevin is uh, featured in. So I guess Kevin Kevin got in the picture early on because he's that uh, TI who asked me to ground crew for him. Um, so he's the one who made me discover base, and I guess got me into it by. I'll have to say a little more about the story, I guess. So we met in California at Skydance Skydiving while I was getting my A license. He got me to Grand Crew. I decided I wanted to base jump. I asked I asked him what I had to do to do so. And he told me that the day I had a hundred skydives, he would take me to a bridge that was legal to jump from in Idaho. And so shortly after that, I was supposed to fly back home to London. Uh, I definitely did not want to. And uh, it didn't work too hard in convincing me to miss my flight and follow him to Moab for my first skydiving boogie, as well as discovering basically the base jumping mecca of the United States. So, yeah, I did miss my flight and I jumped in the van with them and we drove all the way to Moab and... As soon as we drove in, I knew that was it. I knew this place was home. I can't explain why, I have no idea. Like, especially for someone who grew up in Paris and lived in London, why Moab, I have no idea. But that was the place I wanted to be at. I fell in love immediately. I did that boogie, I started grand crewing a lot. 
Long story short, I made it back briefly to the UK to get rid of my life. I came back. I got my angel skydives as fast as I can, as I could while uh, ground crewing pretty much daily. Uh, I learned to base jump reading the Great Book of Base. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I bought a base rig and I went to the bridge when I actually did not really have a hundred skydive, but I was pretty close. And um, he took me there for a weekend. He helped me out. I ended up kind of ditching him because he was more scared than me and I couldn't take it. <laughs> and so I did a bunch of solos and we moved to Moab together uh, because we had become a thing. And we moved in the Drops and Staff house and we started base jumping in Moab. And very rapidly, I mean, after three days of jumping here, uh, we headed to Mineral Bottom to do a few jumps that day. And as all the stories where something happened with base jumping, it was a series of events. He didn't really want to go. He was tired. His legs were hurting from hiking too much. He was about to start his skydiving season and was worried about not feeling strong. And he was just not that motivated. But uh, a Russian friend came to the house and they helped me convince him. And we went there and we did a jump of Mary's Gash, which went really well. And then we wanted to go to Sweet Spot, but could not find it. And I found a different exit, which turns out to be Enterprise. Um, and I wanted to jump that. And he didn't want me to. He didn't think the jump was good enough. And he went and explored solo and then came back uh, super happy to have found Sweet Spot and took us there. And Sweet Spot actually happened to be the place where his really close friend who had recently died base jumping had done his first double gainer, uh, something Kevin was working on. He was only doing singles. Funny, fun fact, when we were at the bridge, I told him, you should start practicing your doubles. And he was too scared of doing it at the bridge. But decided that, you know, Sweet Spot is a great spot to learn. Um, so he did, and he tried to do it exactly like his friend Daniel used to do it, which is uh, tuck the first rotation and kind of lay it out the second. And when he laid it out, he stalled it. And instead of doing a barrel or pitching on his back, he's just stick with it. And by the time he was back belly to earth, he screamed, oh shit, and that was it. He died. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so, so many. So many love stories like that in the community. Um, what an introduction. <laughs> Sorry about that, I guess. It's like, it happened. Yeah. It happened. No, I mean, and no, it was the. It happens, yeah, and we we no, always. It was, uh, it's. I guess I discovered the reality of base like very fast because I probably had fourteen, fifteen jumps at that point. So, it was an interesting welcome. Yeah, that's a steep learning curve. Most of us just hear about acquaintances going in first and then maybe like lose a friend or two, but we don't actually see it. 
and a lot of us never actually see somebody go in and a lot of us never lose somebody that's that close uh but man that kind of uh, loss right out of the gate what did that do to you uh when it came to like your mentality getting close to other jumpers and continuing to jump yourself at very first i was a complete mess um I do have a belief that when something that extreme happens to you, you kind of like temporarily go slightly insane because it's just hard to make sense of that. And suddenly it's just hard to make sense of everything and anything. And so at first I was just a mess and I could not believe it. I just kept myself, keep telling myself I couldn't believe it. I kept calling his name really loud in the house, thinking he was going to walk through the door. I, so he used to be, fun fact, he used to be celiac. So he used to only drink 100% agave tequila. And he drank 1800 and that was his jam. And so I decided to start drinking every day. And I empty, I actually emptied the liquor store in Moab of all their 1800. And, um, yeah, I just drank and drank and drank and I was too drunk to pack. And I've, I started wanting to jump like pretty fast. I think on day three, I wanted to jump again or day four, really early. It feels like definitely the first week and I couldn't pack. I was way too wasted. And someone I didn't know and never met before just rolled into my house because I lived at the staff house and people just rolled into the house, uh, packed for me and took me to G-Spot and I jumped and I was wasted and I exited very poorly and very head low and I was handheld and I didn't really want to let go of my palature and I thought about not letting go of it. And then I actually didn't want to, but my body kind of did it by reflex by itself for survival, who knows? And I did, and I was in such a terrible body position that I bridle wrapped my leg, at which point I decided I didn't care. And then that cleared itself and I landed and I was like, that was fucked up. I should leave town for a minute. And I left town because I knew that I was going to just keep, keep making like a series of bad decisions, but the Desire to jump didn't go away and I just went to California to skydive and base jump some more and I Funny enough, it never took the love or the fun away I'm curious uh, when you wanted to jump right away again. You said it was three days later Did you I mean you were in shock and you know, obviously really upset Do you remember if you wanted to jump to get a certain feeling back or was it? You know base jumping can be extremely distracting uh, it's an, a super intense experience and, you know, no matter what's going on in your life, it sort of just disappears for a moment. Uh, is that what you were looking for or do you, I were you feeling suicidal through base jumping or do you, do you remember? I don't really remember just because I was literally such a goddamn mess. Like I literally was sleepless for days completely alcoholic, half crazy. Um, I think 
I, I, you know, I feel though nothing was that elaborate about it that like going into the motion of doing something and just doing it because I had just go through so much to just fucking base jump. And I was like, I should fucking do it because here I am now and all that shit. And I'm here for that. And I think it was just a, let's go, let's carry on. Even though I was definitely suicidal, I don't think it came to my mind, even though it came to my mind during the jump and it was coming to my mind sometimes, it didn't come to my mind to really be like, let's go base jump to die. That's not what happened. It was more like, hey, let's go ahead and get normal again. Yeah, let's go do the thing that you wanted to do, you know, that was making you so happy that you just started and was the most exciting thing in your life with Kevin, you know? Yeah, to feel closer to the person that you lost, uh, I think is a common yeah. thread. You know, and also, like, I mean, you, you get wrapped up in these empathetic, deep connections with somebody and all of a sudden they're gone. It's hard to commune with them without considering yeah uh, ending your life too yeah it was weird it was definitely like i think the thing is i fell in love with bass it grabbed me from the inside i physically felt it grab me and i think that kevin's death just didn't kill the love and i still wanted to go and carry on and try to get on with my day (laughs) you know and keep going what do you think he would have wanted i think he would have been very proud and i think he has been in my mind ever since I met him. And it's been so many years now that he passed away and it hasn't gone away. And every time I achieve pretty something pretty cool within the spot or just something that we had discussed together, I'm like, oh, he's watching and he's goddamn proud. And I think there was a lot of that too, like carry on because he's watching you and he's fucking proud. Nice. That's beautiful. So obviously a very intense beginning to your career can you uh step us around and just give us some of the highlights uh from there onto uh your approach to wingsuit base because i mean i've run across you all over the world uh so can you give <laughs> us a little bit of a a fast forward uh through yeah. uh, those sections <laughs> Well, I kept going, I kept going, I kept jumping, I kept learning, I got more and more passionate and excited about it. Um, I decided that, you know, I wanted to to touch to every aspect of the sport. So the sport is not just running off a cliff in Moab or an antenna or a building and going slider down. I wanted to go terminal. I wanted to start tracking. I knew I wanted to wingsuit. Um, so I kept going with that progression I traveled the world. I met some insanely awesome people everywhere. I have so many good friends and close friends and it blows my mind. I never had such connection ever before in my life. They were like so awesome and so deep because of all the shit we go through. And um, yeah, I did beautiful trip. I have literally traveled the world for it. Um, Give us the top three countries that you've been to for base jumping, like so, top of your list. So now that I went to best flying, the Alps, Europe, uh, so far with what I've done. I haven't gone yet to like places like New Zealand. There's definitely 
places I haven't been to, but so far what I've seen, what I've done, the kind of flying I like, by far the apps, amazing, mind-blowing, I'm in love with all of it. Um, but then kind of my best trips are not necessarily Europe. I feel like I do my best work in Europe. I love it there. Uh, but I went to Brazil uh, a few years ago. My first time was in 2018, I've, 2017 actually, the end of 2017. And uh, I had just started wingsuiting in Europe. I had done my first season in my little uh, Swift and I couldn't stop there. I was like, fuck, I just started. I can't just sit down till next season now. So I was like, ah, where could I go this winter? And I was like looking at base jumping stuff online and so these pictures of the, the ramps at Cabrito where they did the tracking race from. And I was like, fuck, this place look cool. Where is that? So I started making research, discovered it was in Brazil, started Googling, messaging some people, got a few contacts in Brazil and just decided to go check it out for two weeks. And uh, I actually checked it out for two months uh, because I couldn't <laughs> leave after two weeks. There was no way. Um, and it was literally one of my best trips still. And it's not necessarily like, as far as the line or the actual jump goes, is it the best exit you've ever been on? No, but the whole package, the whole experience, is so blissful and perfect. It's like, it's nice weather. Brazilian people are so generous, so kind, so fun to be around. They're a little bit the Russians of South America in a base jumping <laughs> sense, but I love them. They're like, they're the kindest, they're the best, they're the most fun. They all treated me like if I belong there. I still, I'm friends with all these people these days and I still go back. And I went back last winter and I'm going back in a few weeks. And by far one of the highlights, incredible, incredible trip. Brazil is the shit. Taz, that's, I'm wondering if we can circle back for a second because I think that this is something that's really common is that how deep our connections can become in such a quick amount of time. And uh, what are your thoughts about relationship building, you know, in or relationships that we build in base? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, the first word that come to mind is authentic. I feel the majority of people and basically like it's like everything else. Is there people I don't enjoy in the scene? Yes. There's is there people I think are shouldn't be in the scene and don't really like it enough to justify doing it? Uh, yes, but most connections are so real and profound because, because just the base jump itself, like as comfortable as you get with it, it's a pretty intense and awesome experience. And just going through it every time and those motions and what you go through and that with people gives you a connection that you don't always get. Like it's pretty unique to go through things like that. And then obviously the victories and the losses and all those things, I feel like everything is pretty intense. It's like very extreme highs and very extreme lows. And I feel it creates very real and strong bonds. We, who you connect with. I like that. I think you said authentic and that uh, really rings true for me. I think that it might even be 
like the most authentic experience for humans. I mean, I think what we're designed to do as small tribes confront danger, work as a team, overcome obstacles. And we sort of get all of that. You know, this is we're have such a, a disconnected life from from danger and our day to day activities. And then we go on these little adventures in little bands, little tribes, you know, going to hunt for the treasure <laughs> at the at the summit. <laughs> Over, you know, and, and there's no lying to each other. You know, there's fear, there's doubt, there's excitement, there's stoke, there's all of these human emotions and they just all get amplified. And, uh, yeah, that's a, it's, it's very authentic moment for sure. Yes. More profound. Yeah. I think there's also an aspect of, uh, if you're base jumping and you've been compelled to do it, you're really, you know, leaning into who you are as a person. You know, you're not running from the desire to jump off a cliff, which is regarded by most people as insane. And so if you've made that step to be an authentic person in those pursuits, then it's very hard to not be an authentic person in a relationship or when you're expressing love to one another. Correct. And you also know that shit up and everything's extreme, time's limited. I could be completely crippled tomorrow. I could die. Is it really worth being upset about all this little shit? No, it's not. So therefore the friendship is more like I give strong hugs. I give big kisses. I try to not end on a bad note. I try to focus more on the good feelings and the good stuff that the little shit that don't matter. Yeah. Tell us uh, how many good hugs are you getting right now? Fuck you, girl. Endless hugs. Hugs all day I'm getting. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into that. You know, uh, obviously, like people are hugging you extra strong right now because you were almost one of the, the list. Uh, I did. Can you take us through that story? I've heard it a little bit, but Lo hasn't heard any of it. So if you can start from the beginning, uh, let's yeah. let's roll this thing. Taz, tell me what happened. Um, let's let's start from like you planning the jump or you you know getting yes. word of of the jump and. Try to give us a full picture here, Taz. Yes. Um, so it started with a plumber, my boyfriend and I, having to take a trip to Salt Lake City because I had an interview for my American citizenship, which is most excellent. I got that proof. I'm going to be American. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Awesome. <laughs> You're winning the visa prize. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, we had to go there. Obviously, we always think about jumping. Uh, there is amazing wings to jumps in the Wasatch. And so we took our gear with us, uh, planning on jumping if weather allows. Uh, and so we got there. We went to my interview. Weather did not really allow for base jumping. Um, the two jumps we really wanted to go to, we're not sure how accessible or nice the exit will be because of a, it basically dumps snow the day I arrive. And so we bail on that and we were going to just head home. And at the last minute, we received a message from a friend who was like, Hey, what about a heli line tomorrow? And so it's an early line that I've been wanting to do, that I've seen on the video, and I'm always down for something new and a jump. So we're like, of course, cool, let's do it. And um, we were staying with a friend in Salt Lake at his place that he has there. And this friend has done this line before. And so we discussed the line, we got onto Google Earth. Uh, 
he told us everything he knew about it. He told us about the option A and option B and everything. And we went through it and it seemed like easy enough. And um, so, yeah, we went. And I, I basically, Plummer and I assumed that we would be doing a three-way with this friend and we'll both follow him. And it'd just be a conservative fun jump to discover the line and look at it and go back to it later. And uh, we met up early uh, in the hangar where the helicopter, helicopter was the following day. Uh, it was a few of us. Uh, yeah. Just real quick, on the few of you, uh, just to give everyone kind of a characterization, what is the overall experience of everybody involved here? We know we can't share names, but can you at least uh, give us a sense of who uh, these people are? Really? <laughs> Really? Along with yourself, like, what is your like experience with wingsuit base and with um, so, helicopter base? Everyone there, uh, my boyfriend Plummer, thousands of jumps. So are the other one. Pretty much, uh, one of the person is a relative new, relatively new jumper, but everyone experience level is. We're talking like they've been doing that stuff for way longer than I have, and they know all aspects of the sport really well from skydiving to tunnel flying to wingsuiting to slide anything free flying anything very high experience level uh, as far as i'm concerned i will i will now consider myself a pretty decent um an experienced wingsuit base jumper um i have done it you're an you're an elite level wingsuit base jumper let's just be fair here um i do it a lot and I've done it a while and I do it everywhere and I do it all the time. And I am indeed very uh, com uh, comfortable with very technical things. Uh, yeah, I have learned everything about it, the laser and this and that. And I love short stuff and I love technical things. And yeah, I guess I do things that not a lot of people do within that area of the sport. However, wingsuit base jumping as little to do with heli lines heli lines are their own thing um i have a feeling that a lot of people assume they're easier and i have to say i highly disagree with that statement do tell um because a base jump okay so let's say you know what you're doing you've done it a few times you understand laser, data, all that stuff. You go on an exit, you laser it, it looks like it goes, it goes, you know, looks good to you. You can feel the conditions. You've done the hike. During that hike, you might even have had the privilege to observe the line during the whole hike or hike through part of the line or feel the weather, all of this. And then when you exit, you're, you know, there's pretty much one way to go. It's pretty straightforward, like... You know it goes, you just measure it, you exit, you do your thing, you fly, you disconnect, you open, you land. Um, helis. Helis involve now another, another category of people. It's now, you can't just be jumpers, you also need pilots. How is the communication going to go between these jumpers and these, these pilots? Are the pilots also jumpers? Do they understand jumping? Do they understand what we need? Do we understand how they function? 
do we understand how to communicate with each other about each other's need? So that adds to me like a whole other layer of just that. Having another person who doesn't necessarily understand what we do and we don't necessarily understand what they do. Um, I'm lucky enough, I hang out around pilots and stuff, but still. Um, so yeah, it brings another thing now, like wave there's high up is in certain direction the guy doesn't know how to tell you about it you don't know how to look at the screens e screens and understand what you're seeing so you don't know what speed you're going you're not sure how the exit's going to feel and there's the spot okay spotting on the skydive do you see the drop zone yeah it's right under me cool <laughs> go let's do it um let let's spot let's spot the line the line is steep. Where do I want to enter it? Where should I be to enter it at the speed and the angle I'd like to enter it at? Uh, all of that. Ooh, all under level of navigation now. Um, maybe now understanding the condition. All that stuff. So I personally think early line, space jumping, pretty different. Yes, I feel very dialed with my base jumping now. Uh, I have extremely low experience. I would say nil, nil for heli lines. Okay, so I agree with you that heli lines are more complicated, uh, definitely have more variables. And just to set the stage again, we've got a group of professional grade pilots and wingsuiters, along with what we're calling you as an elite wingsuit sky, uh, wingsuit base jumper. I think that's absolutely fair. I mean, anyone that has done the things that I've seen you done in a, do in a wingsuit would certainly be in that category. So we've got an elite wingsuiter being uh, shepherded by professional grade wingsuiters and pilots doing a heli line impromptu, but having uh, already gone through most of the research. Yes. Take us from there. So here we go. We're in Dienga. I think I'm doing it three-way on the line we looked at. I think I'm following someone that I know really well. I highly trust him. He's conservative too. He's not only extremely talented, he's super clever and conservative. Um, awesome. Happy days. But we get in Dienga and to start with, we're all a bit rushed. Everyone has something to do, some places to be, and I already don't like that. And that's tick number one on my list. I'm like, oh, one thing I don't like, because again, I briefly mentioned when I was talking about Kevin accident, I feel personally, I've seen a lot of carnage, a lot of incident, been a lot of shitty loads. It's really never, to me, never just one thing. It's always, oh, one thing, two things, three things. So here we go. Number one, we're all rushing. I don't like it. It's super cold. It's not sunny as I thought we were, we thought it was going to be. I hate being cold. I'm worried I'm going to be cold. I've had two not so great pool in the past because I've cold hands. I'm genuinely concerned about that and thinking about it. We start going up, um, plan change. Oh, that's number two on my list. I don't like that. Uh, my boyfriend is not jumping with me anymore. He's been asked to follow someone. And so here we are. And then the person I was going to follow is actually not on my load now. So I'm following someone else. And that's a uh, yeah, few more changes added to the list. Every single one of those make me feel 
a little funnier about the whole thing and a little less talked about it all. Um, I also don't have my full face that I would usually use when I jump out of an aircraft because I only came here to base jump. So I have a climbing helmet, open face with goggles, and I'm worried about being cold, about my face being cold and like just generally uncomfortable. I found some glove. I try to lay up as much as I can. I get ready for it. I'm like, okay, shake it off. Happy days. You're with like a lot of people you like. Everyone is fucking next level killer. You're going to do something fun. Everything's good. And I also have like some form of like overconfidence going on a little bit and comfort, which comes from the fact that I'm just coming back from my heaviest, biggest Europe season where I did a endless list of things that were new to me and absolutely next level to me within my experience. I pushed a lot this season and I went super far and I did it successfully and I definitely feel super mega strong and so what I hear overconfidence. What I hear here is that your intuition was like blaring all these warning signs, but then you're saying that you evened that out with this confidence that you had developed from all the recent activity. Is that, is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Well, like the relative yes. scale was yes. so far off. Right. Yes. I'm like, why are you worrying? None of this matter. You just went so hard. You're so goddamn strong. What could possibly, you're going to jump out of an helicopter. You've done this hundreds of times now. It's chill. This is a walk in the park. What could possibly go wrong? As uh, so, yeah. you guys were going through these changes, uh, did anyone stop to reevaluate the entire thing? Or was it more of like, all right, let's just keep going, keep going, like on a 45 degree angle, you know, continuing to charge? No one there. I found out later that at least one person there, which happened to be the person I follow, actually did not feel it either and did not love the succession of changes either and just like also had this just vibe that something uh, something's not right not feeling it but no one said anything and no one seemed bothered and so here we go load one loads the helicopter and off we go and we get to the line uh well we get to the mountain the light is on, the line is on we can see the mountain from where we are at this point and we're all on radio on comms in the alley so we can all talk to each other and so i hear the boys mentioning that it's in the shade it's not looking that good it's kind of sucky to fly this in the shade it'd be nicer to fly in the sun let's go to that other line that is actually in the sun and here comes the next changes <laughs> let's change oh, no. let's change the plan again because let's go and do another line that i know nothing about and we never talked about and here we go let's go so so now we got a live change on the target from the helicopter correct uh at that point in time i'm like what am i doing here i think is the first thing that crossed my mind I'm like, yesterday was on one of the biggest day of my life. I got approved for citizenship. I've had an amazing trip. I'm not even craving jumping right now because I'm so satisfied and I feel so good. And I'm so happy. And why am I here? This is not where I want to be. But here we go. You know, hey, 
cheer up, don't be a party pooper, get your shit together. Everyone is in the helicopter and we're about to go and it's showtime and and it's good. It's all good. Let's go. Um, so I'm not the first person to jump. So it's two, two ways. Plumber is following someone and I'm following another person. Uh, so we go for them to jump the other line, which in the sun, which is in the sun. As we're high up, uh, there's strong winds. I hear mention of pretty strong uppers, pretty strong uppers, like 25 miles. Um, when I hear that, there's another thing again, and I'm like, why? What am I still doing here? I'm not liking this. And this is when I turn to Plummer and I look at him and I gave him an X with my arm because I don't want to go. I don't think we should go. I think, I think none of this is right and I don't want to go anymore. But the problem is the door is open. And you know, uh, when you base jump, like you, you get into a flow state, I guess. The state we get we get in is called flow state. Yeah. Um, and so you're like in your zone, very like, so it's not that he didn't see me or didn't care. He was already somewhere else, you know, and he's like, oh, she's not going to jump. And he didn't think much about it. And he did this two way and it looked turbulent, uh, but they did good and everything looked good and it was fine. And so I'm like, reconsidering my desire to bail and my ex because I just watched someone go and it looks it's fine and am I being dramatic or weird or complicated and why am I feeling this way and everyone else seems okay and no one's saying shit and okay let's go and then the person I'm following is like uh oh, the, the wind we should go and check out that other line we were originally going to do so here the plan changes again and we so there's more doubt and we go back over to that line and for a second i'm like oh no 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 that's good that's back to what i thought we were gonna do and i wanted to do so that's good that's positive let's go back there and we go back there if you had not gone back real quick if, if you had not gone back and you had just made that x to plammer uh, would you have exited the aircraft right there? Or would you have listened to your ex and said like, okay, I'm, that's it? It's hard to tell. I actually did. The only answer I can give you is I don't know. I'm not sure. It could have been either way. I could have followed that because I would have been, or I would have been like, oh, well, it was fine. It went all right with them, even with the turbulences. So let's go. So I'm not sure. Uh -huh. I'm actually not sure. I might have still jumped just because I'm dumb enough. So if you were first out of the aircraft, no way that you were going to go. I mean, you put the X there. That was like calling it, giving uh, some, you know, credence to all of the red flags that you had seen before. But then after that, there was several more pieces of information that could have convinced you that it was okay and another change. Is that what we're hearing? Yes, correct. All right. So then what? So Damn, it, my palms are sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> so then, so then here we go. Yeah, we go back to the original plan, and <sighs> the mistake is here too. I say plan. There were no plan. 
There were no plans. We were a team and we were not a team. We didn't plan. That was the last minute. I'm going to follow you, buddy. Yeah, cool. That is it. That is as much of a plan as we made. Did we discuss how we'll be standing outside of the aircraft? Are we exit? Uh, if we were going to go for line A or B, nothing. We discussed absolutely nothing. So anyway, the plan. That's why I'm like, mm, plan, not really a real thing. But anyway. Yeah, I can relate to that for a second. Uh, just to, to step in it's and tell me if this is uh, what happened. But like oftentimes when I get too far into a zone that uh, I know is like unsustainable, like we're just taking unnecessary risk and we've hit the fuck it button like so many times that like if we go back and like try and do a semblance of a plan, it just doesn't make sense. Like it's just so ridiculous to even try that at the stage that we're jumping, we're just like, yeah. all right, here we go. Yeah. Is, is that kind what, of what, for words, what, what I heard in my head? Here we go. Showtime, bitch. Let's go. Yeah, it's a big bowl of word soup at that point. <laughs> yeah. And like, and there was no point. And so I'm like, ah. so anyway, here we are. And we are ready to exit the aircraft soon, I guess. Um, I get off calm because I have this not full face helmet, this climbing helmet and those goggles. And it's a little bit of a process to put this in. Uh, with this on without having it very dialed where everything feels good, solid, holds my head, my like, my goggles are like not gonna move, everything's happy days. So I got off calm, I'm like, cool, cool, giving the thumbs up, get off calm, get all my shit going. And then I sit there in the alley looking at my buddy. I'm gonna follow. I don't know what's being said at this point. I guess one of the things being said at this point is the wind is as garbage up there. Um, I mean, garbage. It's not garbage. We have a 25 miles per hour headwind. Oof. Uh, would I base jumping that shit? No, I wouldn't. But you know, heli jump, it's so much safer. Um, but anyway, I'm not really aware of that. Um, and I, I could be looking out of my side, I guess, out of the window. Let me just jump in there. That's, that's 40 really... kilometers per hour for us Europeans um, and, uh, you know, metric-based people. That's, that's a lot of wind, 40, 40K. All right, go. Yeah, a lot of people uh, kind of underestimate how much the uppers will affect a wingsuiter because they're like, oh, well, we're in free fall. Like, we're just going to be ripping through that. But, you know, if your suit like at max glide, you know, is going 150 and then all of a sudden you lose 25 miles an hour yeah. off of that. It's, it's substantial. gone. Yeah, it's gone. Try to fly into a strong headwind. You're going to like fly so weak. You're going to feel like you're, you're genuinely going to feel it. You feel it. You feel like you're working against something. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, so I missed out. Um, will that change something at this point? Again, it's a maybe. I'm not, if I'm honest with myself, I'm not 100% sure. It might have made me give the X again and actually stick with it if I heard that. Or who knows? I would have still went. I'm not 100% sure it's hard to tell. I did not leave the moment. So I don't know exactly how I would have reacted in the moment. 
But here we are. I'm not looking around. I have no idea where we are. I did not look outside whatsoever. Um, I'm just looking at my buddy. Hey, happy days, early jump. I'm going to fucking look at you and like, yeah, high five. Let's have fun. And so he starts climbing out and like he points, he points, he points. He keeps pointing a direction for the pilot. It looks like the spot is not good yet, which in my head, I'm like, oh, cool. I, I guess we're good. Like, it, you know, he's solid. We're looking where we're going. We're almost there. He's getting us a little closer. So I'm like feeling a bit better. I'm like, cool, we're getting there. And then cool, gives the sign, jump. Um, I, To me, my most important job on that jump was like, as long as you're on him, everything is going to be per perfect. Have a good exit, exit right on him. Just stick with him and it's going to be a good time. And so I, like, I actually have one of my best early exit I've ever had, like literally on on him with him right away um what i'm not aware of the whole time he knew that um the spot wasn't ideal um the spot was the meaning where you got out of the helicopter above the mountain yeah we were short we were nowhere near our a or b line like nowhere near it we could not make any of them where we were where we were so the spot was short um so he knew that because like an idiot i never looked but he was the one outside looking and so he knew and so he jumped and he was like oh shit and so he immediately aborted wait uh, you could hear by... him say oh shit or how wait what do no, you mean he said no okay i was like he wait, said what? oh shit physically by making an unplanned left turn to try and cross to the west of the ridge. And in this process, um, I go into his wake and I fell down. Okay, so you were verbal. All right. Yes. I, I can't help I, but notice you're, you're reading from notes right now. Is, uh, is your memory clear? My memory about it is really clear. I just want to be as accurate this is important and yeah. this is what a lot of person want to hear even though like to me those details what really happen they're only so small compared to what's important to me it's like the lessons well the lessons we already gotten out of all this already we started getting out but i understand that people want to know the details and people are curious and i was okay. not wearing a camera i don't have a video so i'm trying to be as precise as I can. I appreciate so that. So I like wrote it down to okay. really say exactly what happened. Okay, I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. And I encourage anyone to do that right after an incident. Like, please write things down because you will definitely need those details later when you start to process the event. You know, you go Absolutely. through this incredibly traumatic thing and your body will shift into just execution mode and then after that, you're still going to have like a bunch of stuffed emotions that aren't going to be attributed to anything until you yes. relive the details. And if you forget the details, then all that's going to come out in a very confusing way. 
So I highly recommend writing stuff down. We have a lot of lessons from this. Let's uh, let's dive back into this because this is uh, we're right at the peak of the story here. So you okay. just exited. <laughs> he moved like did a hard left. I would not call it a hard left. I would call it a turn significant enough for me to fall into his wake. Okay. All right. At where I was. So I lost a bunch of altitude at that point. Um, the, also, the reason I wrote it down. Uh, there is a video of the incident. It's not mine. The person I was following was wearing a 360 camera. Before doing this podcast, Plummer told me, hey, maybe you want to watch the video before. That will make sense. So you can see your fact and what you've been saying and seeing the video and make sure how you feel and write it all down and be as precise as you can be. So I actually watched it for the first time yesterday. Um, there's some stuff that I had learned like uh, talking about it. There's some stuff I learned by watching it because on the moment, the wake, did I understand that he made a turn, that something was wrong and he made a turn and that turn bubbled me? Absolutely not. I was like, fuck, what did I do wrong? Why did I fall in his wake? What a dummy. Let's come back. You've done this all the time. You're skydiving a lot these days. What do you have to do? Stare at the leader, come back to him. Easy. So what do I do after the wake? Do I ever look where I am? Nope. Never have a look. If I had a look, I would have noticed that that ridge was right there and I was not going to be able to cross it. Um, but here we go. I come back, I'm like, come back, come back, come back. And I come back and I come back almost level and I'm almost to the side of him. And it's a point where I can finally end look at him and see ahead. And what I uh, did not notice I was as I was coming back from falling into the bubble was that I was now heading um, towards the part of a re the ridge that has the rising rising terrain. I was on the side where it wow. was the highest. Now. So you you reel him back in, and just uh, so that we can cover that technical detail, because I think it's uh, it's cool to know. How did you do that? Like you fall out on the burble and lose a bunch of altitude, and he's wingsuit base jumping, so he's uh, you know potentially flying as fast as he possibly can. What did you do in order to catch up with I him? I got lucky. I assumed that by that point, he was probably feeling the headwind or something and was maybe a little slower because I feel like I came back to him pretty efficiently with what felt at the time like more power than he seemed to have. And I was like, oh, cool. And then, and then I hit that wind, I slowed down, you know, I saw ahead. And also important, another important fact between exiting the aircraft and me hitting the ridge, it was a little over 10 seconds. Um, so not a lot of time, really. Um, not a lot of time to build speed Speed is our friend in wingsuiting, as we hopefully, hopefully all know. Speed is power. Power you can stack up and use later if you need it. I was like already in a line by that point. If I was already flying the way I usually fly, I would have flared up and hit nothing. Um, yeah, interesting. Because like at this point, you get burbled and then you catch up. 
which means that you're flying more efficiently than the leader themselves. And now you find yourself on the side of the leader having a more efficient flight than them looking at the high side of a ridge. Yes. Well, maybe. we don't, That's only if they're following the same trajectory. Which we're not, because I'm just staring at him thinking I'm going to fly on the right. And he's like staring at the point where he knows he can make the ridge. And I think he made it. I'd say, and I might not be fully, fully accurate there, but I'm pretty close. He made it maybe 40, 50 feet. Wow. Okay. So wait, take us from the, the point of the story where you pull up next to him. Because you pull up next to him, you look over, right? You're still flying more efficiently, which even allows you to look over at him. It feels at that point, I'm looking at him. I feel I'm coming back strong. I feel he's not seeing him, me. I feel he's really focused. I suddenly doubt myself again after doubting myself after the bubble, being like, what have I done wrong? Now I'm like, oh, maybe he's not liking that I'm coming to the side of him like this. Maybe I should go back behind him to where I belong. And that's when I kind of decide, but all this happened so fast. I guess I kind of decide to slow down, but kind of also start seeing your head and start feeling that headwind and see where I'm heading. And I can see that I have no way out and I have no speed to save myself. Wow. So you end up in a position boxed in by the person you're following because he's on your left, which is your escape to the low side of the the, uh, the ridge. I, I, f I think even if he was not there, I think it's too late for me to even change trajectory. Gotcha. Did you think about pitching? Did, did I you think to pitch right there? I did not because I was too, I, 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 there was no way I could have made it pitching in my opinion. Okay. Was I correct? Did I read the terrain correctly? Who knows? Yeah. I cannot attest of this. I cannot be sure to me at the time, my judgment made me go for, try to fly your best because that's your only chance out of here with where you are now. Wow. And, you know, as soon as I saw him and I saw a head, I didn't see him anymore. He was gone from the picture. Suddenly, a whole new focus came into my mind, right? That's it. I'm not doing a two-way. I'm not doing a line. I'm looking right in front of him, me, and I'm heading straight for death. Holy I'm just shit. staring at death now. And there's nothing else, you know? There's nothing else. Did you recognize on the leader that he was already in that zone? Because when you tell that story and you look over at him, it seems like he's recognized that he's firmly in the death zone and just needing to just focus intently, not even shift his eye position from this impact zone to make it. Uh, I think he realized, uh, yeah, I think he knew the spot was short. He was not going to make the line and he added to what looked the best and he assumed that I was following him in a good way, you know, he didn't know I fell in awake. He didn't know I was on the wrong side of him. Like he didn't know all that, you know, yeah, he, right. like t t a, a little over there. 10 seconds, a little over 10 seconds. There's nothing. What can he do? He can't help me. He can't, he can't save me. He's not responsible for this. It's like we, we, we fucked up as a team. We planned super poorly and here we are. We, we, we were a shit team and and we, we, you know, why, why did I never look? I mean, there's, there's I, a lot I, of lessons we can go over again here, but let's go back to those moments before impact. 
Yeah, and please, I, I got one for right before you uh, hit this impact zone because if, like Lo said, you uh, weren't in a position to pitch, then you must have recognized that you were actually in the death zone. And that's an incredible uh, place to be in a wingsuit because it's so long and everything else when you're in the death zone happens so quick, you know, you're dodging a bullet or, you know, you get in a quick car accident or something, but in a wingsuit, you recognize that like you're in unsurvivable, unsustainable territory for multiple seconds. So my question is like, where did your consciousness go when you recognized that pitching was not available and your only chance of survival was to get over this ridge? So I did not, pitching didn't even come into my head when I finally, fucking finally look ahead on me of me and pay attention to where I was and realize it was too late for like literally only one foot crossed my mind and words for words that's went through my head I was like oh fuck I'm going in that was it wow. that was literally it that's I, I didn't think about a million thing if I'm honest there's not a million thing that went through my head um I was not upset I was not disappointed I wasn't sad. I didn't think of what what I could have done better or whatever. I just literally was having a little date with death and I was staring at her in the eyes and that's all I did. But I guess I do have some experience flying a wingsuit and I guess you can't kick the instincts away and your body memory and the way you are as a person. And I guess I am a little bit of a fighter as a person. And I guess I don't completely suck at wingsuiting. And so automatically, without thinking about it, I just assumed the body position, which I thought uh, was best at the time, I guess. And I um, I decided I went the opposite. I, it's funny. I actually don't know how to say that. The opposite of dihedral. Anhedral. Uh, Anhedral. Inedral, yeah. So I started pushing a little my hands down, trying to cut and try to like, I was like, I have no spin no matter what, I can't flare. So all I can do is try to cross this ridge as high as I can. So I'm gonna go as flat as I can because I know for a fact that right behind this impact point, is just a really fucking steep mountain <laughs> and I could oh. fly it. Max if Glide, only I can get it. Cross. So I went like very like, and I, the very last, not even second, less than that, like split, split, split second, right before impact, I decided to relax my body and close my eyes. Wow. Um, because what else can I do, really? Just accept death. It's here now. So, um, yeah. So I did that. I closed my eyes and I relax. Um, and I think that might be part of the reason uh, I'm still here talking to you. Maybe, you know, the drunk drivers, super chill in cars, and they don't really get hurt. Maybe that helped me when I impacted and like, you know, roly poly down the mountain. I don't know. What I know is this. I hit the, the ridge with my chest because I was chest high when I impacted. 
I hit the ridge with my chest. Um, I hit a snow cornice a day after I dumped snow in four feet of snow. Ooh, oui. The following day when I came out of the hospital and I saw the mountain, there was not enough snow to save my ass that day. So I got fucking lucky. It's what, what it comes, come, comes down to as well. So I hit it with my chest in the right spot. And then it's hard to tell exactly, like to me, I kind of vaguely maybe remember and feel like because of my, how my body felt, I kind of went over. Anyway, I went down, down that mountain about a hundred feet. During that descent, I met a bunch of rocks with my head um, because I cut my nose off my face. It was barely hanging. I lost two teeth. I killed one. I had bruises on the side of my head. Um, my neck was completely jacked. My helmet had the impact on each side, on each temple that were pretty significant, one on top. But yeah, as I already said at the beginning, not a scratch or a bruise past my head. Did you lose consciousness at any point? It's hard to tell you if I did. Okay. I did forget things. Right in for, after impact, I remember, I don't really remember things. I kind of feel like I remember my body remembers a tumble, but I can't really tell. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean I lost consciousness sure. because I've already had a concussion before and I was fully awake the whole time and I forgot things yeah. that happened during that time. So it doesn't mean, so who knows? All I know is this, I came back to my head and to the world. I was on my ass with one of my friends sitting, the, the ridge is like the mountain is super steep. So I kind of like, I'm in the position where I can be and I'm kind of on my back and it feels like sitting because everything is so steep. And I look to the side of me and there's one of my friends who was in the helicopter when the ordeal happened, who was sure that he watched me die. Uh, and he's there and I can see him talking on the phone and that's all I remember. So between like kind of the tumble and this, did I lose consciousness? I don't know. I definitely do not remember those minutes and this time. Okay, so it was a series of series of minutes after your impact to when you regained, uh, you know, semblance of consciousness. Yes, it's some time because there's basically two people in the helicopter, the pilot and another friend, and they both watch this, and of course they cheer, they just watch me die, so. Uh, an helicopter pilot dropped the other friend next to me and then flies to my boyfriend, Plummer, to tell him, hey, jump in. We need to go and recover Taz's body. She just went in. Holy. Okay. Because he didn't know otherwise. He didn't know one way or the other if you were alive. He just, I mean, obviously we're all going to assume No idea. Yeah. He just had a jump. Yeah. Yeah. And he personally just had a jump. Like, my boyfriend has no idea what just happened. He didn't witness anything. <sighs> He assumed I just jump and everything's fine, right? Yeah. He could not see anything. He has no idea. We're on a different mountain. Okay. He doesn't know. So he get picked up, put in the helicopter. By the time they are back and he get dropped, 
I'm back, right? I'm here. And what I heard later is that, yeah, they saw me impact. They saw the snow explosion. They were sure I was dead, except that within seconds, they saw my body move. And so they assume it might just be, you know, when you die, things still happen afterwards. So it could have just been my body doing things, right. even though I'm not here anymore. Neurological but turns activity. Out, absolutely. But turns out, no, I was here and they dropped Plummer and Plummer came to me and hugged me, uh, held my nose to try to hold it into place. Uh, and then apparently I, and at that point, obviously, who knows I'm completely unheard that all I did was to take my nose off my face and lose some teeth because I just went in. So I, I must have destroyed my back or my neck. I mean, let's be real. There is no way right. I'm not her, right? There's no way I'm not her. It doesn't make sense. Um, she's like holding me, kissing my head, trying to chill me. And then suddenly I'm like, get the fuck out of the way or whatever it is that I say. And I grab him really hard and I push him away with a lot of strength and I stand up and I start puking blood. <sighs> and everyone is like, what? I Terrible guess she's all right. <laughs> uh, everyone is very confused. My mind is like, fuck, that was a lot of strength. Maybe her back and her neck are not her. Maybe she's okay. Meanwhile, our Ellie is getting a rescue, Ellie. All of this. Also, I'd like to mention this. Did my, like, two-way and my team in that sense, did we do garbage work? <laughs> did we kind of suck that day? Yeah. When shit happened, did the A team came together and absolutely crushed it? Unbelievable. The reaction of everyone, the way everyone handled everything, incredible. Absolutely mind blowing. Between me hitting the ridge and me being in hospital, being taken care of already one hour. Wow, the, that <laughs> golden hour. That's nice. it. So go, anyway, they got the rescue Ellie. The rescue Ellie came to get me. They got me on the long line and they got me to the hospital. And I don't know. I'm sorry, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just thinking about you with no nose on your face, standing up, puking blood with a wingsuit <laughs> on. Oh, man, what a sight. Clamor on the longest heli ride of his life. <laughs> what a scene right there. Oh, my God. What a, what a. What a roller coaster oh, ride! Man. Holy shit! I'm... And if you've never met Taz, that's pretty appropriate. She's such a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know what's funny? This oh, exactly man. what you just say. It's so important to everyone. Keeps hugging me and asking me, "I am. Can you please do the same for Plumber? Because, like, yeah, poor guy. Dude, that was worse for him. That was all I did was like." face my mistake, accept death, not be dead, and be pretty all right weeks later. You know, I mean, has it been hard? I've had, had upside down death, of course, let's be real, but the poor guy, here that was dead, then he came back, I looked dead, then I looked like a literal fucking zombie out of an apocalypse. And then, you know, all the shit we went through and like, I don't feel people give enough importance like to the people around 
the fatalities or the accident, it's fucking traumatic. Everyone who was there that day is still struggling with it. Like, everyone yeah. needs a hug. I imagine. And Give them hugs. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to give tons of hugs to these people. And that is a, an interesting point to make, is that you only believed you were dead for a little bit, like a couple seconds, and then you knew you were alive. And he had that whole helicopter ride to consider that he had just lost one of the loves of and his life. And let's be real, that must tough. have felt like... A yeah. hundred hours that early ride. At least I'm only assuming, yeah. but <laughs> probably the slowest ever. So yeah. You know, there's something else there too. There, you're relaxing before impact is uh, something that's weighing very heavily on my mind in a positive way. Like it just seemed like you were ready. You know, like you were, you were ready to confront the unknown. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I have the words for that, but that is. Uh, that is something very special. Do you remember the... Well, let's, uh, let's ask this. Do you remember the beginning of the podcast, the Kevin story? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty aware of the risk. When I say I accepted the risk that comes with the activity I decide to practice, I'm serious. I know them. I've seen them. I accept them. So when it came, I just accepted it because that's it. You know, we have a lot of people that say that but um, I think that you've just proven it to us <laughs> in a very real Definitely. way. And, and there's a difference. There's a distinct difference between somebody that says uh, they're not afraid to die and that they've reconciled their own death having not seen something like that happen. Uh, as compared to you who lived the ultimate tragedy, you know, I mean, if you're in love with somebody and they go in, I mean, you basically go in with them. Correct. You, know, you lose a piece of yourself. And so effectively, like, you were forced to reconcile that Correct. death. You're a new person, uh, there is no doubt. I think yeah. that's interesting. And that came with it and all my... Yeah. You know, I've, I've, been around, I've been around some fatalities and I've watched a series of, you know, fatality videos and not everybody relaxes. I know, Kevin's cream. <laughs> and uh, I think, I don't want to make any judgment on that, but um, but I hope if I come to that point that um, I'll, uh, I'll follow the path that you took. That's, um, I, I don't know, that's uh, for me. Uh, I think important. I just didn't regret anything. I think it's going to sound weird to say that because it's kind of contradictory. But I accepted death because I'm so happy with life. Everything's good. I don't regret anything right now. I'm genuinely stoked. I'm living life the way I want to live it every day. I have an amazing partner. I have amazing friends. I love my job. I love what I do. I, I, I just like, I have nothing to regret and be scared of. I did it. I don't know. I did it. I did life pretty good. And I, on top of that, I guess to do it again. So awesome. I get, yeah, let's do life again. <laughs> well, that leads directly into a question that we normally ask at the end of this podcast, but I think it's a appropriate time to ask it now. Uh, are you afraid of dying base jumping? <sighs> I mean, I am going to have to say that again. I didn't pull. <laughs> I'm not scared of dying. 
<laughs> so clearly not if you didn't pull. <laughs> that is kind of a joke, but no, I'm not, and I'm not suicidal. Like I'm very much not suicidal as a person. I used to be super depressed. I had horrible times in my life. Some stuff I've been out actually following this accident. Uh, for three weeks, I just felt guilty, guilty and felt like I, I wanted to die and should die. But I'm not suicidal. I'm happy. I'm just not scared of death. It's part of life. Just, the, like, just live life to the fullest. Like if every day was the last and hopefully when that last day comes, you won't regret anything and you won't be scared. I think there's a distinct difference between somebody accepting death and somebody wanting to die. And yet our society usually lumps those two into the same category. So different. <laughs> it's so different. That is a beautiful ethos. Um, but let me ask you, since the accident, have you changed your perspective in any way? Have you, I mean, do you feel like you're living on borrowed time? Do you feel like, wow, I got my golden ticket and now I've got to change my ways? Or, or I mean, I'm not putting words in your mouth here. Tell me, No. do you feel like there has been any change since? Uh, yes. So first of all, uh, I don't know if it's the fact that I faced death or the concussion. I can't tell you, but some things have changed with my brain. I am definitely different. Uh, some of those changes are awesome. Uh, I feel I have a lot more patience and kindness for people in general. Um, and the other one is, uh, life looks like I'm on mushrooms all day. Everything looks so beautiful and fucking sparkles. Um, so there's that. And then uh, my attitude with jumping, I, this is going to sound weird, but I made a big mistake. I definitely learned from it. I think I'm obviously going to be, again, a little safer. Like every time I had the chance to make a little mistake and learn from it. Um, but I don't feel different. And if one thing, I feel even more at peace. There has been time where I was like, why am I base jumping? Why am I doing this? And I know some people I love think it's, it's fucking stupid. But that to me, proved that I'm making the right choice. And yeah, let's roll with it. I don't want to be more aggressive or more stupid or, but, I'm ready to carry on just the same and keep me living my passion, which feels even more like a passion now. There is no doubt. The fact that I felt so at peace after it all just confirms the fact that I love it and I want to keep doing it. Well, uh, you just briefly mentioned mistakes and let's go back to that for a second. Uh, we just heard the whole story and it is incredibly dramatic. And now maybe we can go back and get the hit list of the mistakes that were made along the chain because you know, quite honestly, all of us are going to find ourselves in this type of flow at one point. And it's just about trying to shift off of that path somehow. And so if you could recognize uh, when you're on that unsustainable path and those mistakes coming, you can, you know, knock out one of those dominoes before it, you know, continues to <laughs> disrupt the entire chain. So can you take us through uh, just the hit list of mistakes and the lessons that you learned from them? Yes. Um, number one, a list of changes. I think this often happened, like thing changing a lot. It's not good. 
It's or you need to at least sit down and reevaluate properly and not take it just like over your head like it didn't matter. Pay attention to changes. What they're happening? Why are they happening? Are you okay with them? Is this still something you want to do? Is this still something safe? Like I don't know. The things a series of changes matters. Make proper plans. Make proper plans. Every jump matter. It's not because you wingsuit a super gnarly wingsuit exit and make it in style that you can nail an heli line. Because those are two completely different skills. Know the skills you have and do they fit the job. And if they don't, it's okay. It doesn't mean you can't do the job. It means you need to learn. You need to ask questions. You need to maybe plan a little differently. So better planning, make plans, communication. So like, as I say, I'll say it again, too many people think early lines are easier than base jump. I'm sorry, in my opinion, it's incorrect. That's not true. I totally agree with There's you. There's more that goes There's to it. There's a level of complexity. So complex. There's a level of complexity there that's, uh, you know, like where I live, I have the opportunity to do a lot of single parachute jumping from fixed aircraft and helicopters. It's it's just, it's easy to get to here. So I, I, I'm have a decent amount of experience jumping from them. And there's this like, from the air mass, like you're talking about can be different. You know, you can have high upper winds that are different from what's happening on the ground or the terrain. And even the terrain can change significantly. And then the depth perception that we're faced with is significantly so different confusing. than base jumping. Like, the depth perception is something that got me confusing. on this jump because snow as well another level of like let right. me fuck your depth perception but, <laughs> absolutely we're used to jumping over trees uh, now there's snow it totally changes the equation we're used to jumping over desert and then we're jumping over trees everything changes yeah that the, the depth perception is uh depth perception yes. is real all right so so far we've got uh, well, that changes in the plan are inevitable, but if they do happen, reevaluating the entire event, like from yes. start to finish, saying like, okay, we've got this change. Now everyone take a minute to reevaluate and uh, reassess the risk and uh, let's come back together and see if we still want to do this. And then we also have uh, borrowing confidence from like former selves or from past events and bringing it into the world that you're currently in. You know, a lot of us are like, well, you know, I was a dope dick swooper. So that means that I'm going to be able to fly this parachute, no problem. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, you're dope dick at that thing, but this is a totally new parachute in a totally new context. So like, ugh. or like uh, the, the more, uh, <laughs> The more common one is like, dude, we just got away with that. Well, everything behind what we just got away with should be cheese. Like we just survived a 150 foot free fall into a cityscape. And now we're going to go to Moab and it's like, oh, that's a 210 foot cliff. That's way easier than what we just survived. So like, why would Correct. I care at all? And the answer right. is like, you should care. Those things don't transfer that way just because you got away with it once or just because you're exceptionally good at uh, one particular element uh, doesn't mean that on any given day at any given time, you're just going to nail it. Also, don't compare everything. Everything's different. You don't need to be like, I've done this, so now I can do that. Stop comparing. Respect every jump and take every experience as a new one because it is. 
every even the same exit 10 times in a row is different every time so like respect every jump i also had lost respect for skydiving for a hot second because like i base jump a lot i base i used to base jump more than i skydive so uh, i was like skydiving who cares well up until i you know cut away at 800 feet could not find my reserve handle and you know landed right by my main fully zipped up on a taxiway so you know you're like ha 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 it's all fun and games it, every jump should get some respect and respect doesn't mean being scared i'm i'm pretty fearless i'm i'm never really scared when i'm jumping really i don't really get that feeling but i still try to have respect for everything and even you know i've done this jump 15 times i'm still gonna look down i'm still gonna observe everything i'm still gonna give myself at least 10 minutes to check the conditions still gonna look at my line go through my head what i'm going to go through even though i've done it a million times respect for the jump you know you've poo-pooed skydiving a couple of times here and like let's just paint an accurate picture for the listeners how many skydives do you have in the last two years I done my, most of all my skydives in the last two years. <laughs> no, in the last so three. So you've done a lot. I don't. Of I don't have a ton of them. Lately. I have fifteen hundred skydive. When I started working with Squirrel, which was about three years ago, I had three hundred skydives. So you've been jumping your ass off. Yeah, because I started hanging out with <laughs> people who can do it, and turns out it's fucking fun. And I love it's it. And you amazing. learn a ton. Yeah. I just wanted to. I just best. wanted to throw that across. Yeah, I love it. No. <laughs> so back to the lessons at hand. We've spoken to two aspects that seem to be uh, under the banner of discipline. Um, what other things can we learn from this incident? Um, what was the other? Oh, it's pretty big to me. I think in base it happens a lot. I think we're very observant people of our body, of our brain, because of what we do. Gut, gut feelings. Gut feeling is a thing you should trust. I had a bad gut feeling as soon as we got in that anger. And then everything that followed made it worse. And my gut made me give the X and my gut made me not want to jump. And I didn't listen and I still went. And turns out the person I was following felt the same and did not listen either. Man, that's so interesting. Trust your feelings. Trust your feelings. Yeah. If you don't feel a jump, it doesn't matter. Who cares? You're, not, you're walking away, you're turning around and you change your mind. Who gives a fuck? No one actually does. So trust your feelings and turn around if it, how it feels at that point. Turn around, come back later. Yeah, the only jumps that I've had that have gone awry uh, have been preceded by emotions that I just ignored, which is so interesting because like, if you listen to those emotions, Every time. you can really never be wrong. You know, like walking down from a jump, like you can't really be wrong about that. You live to, you know, uh, die another day. But if you ignore them, even if yeah. it works out, I, I think you're wrong 100% of the time. Like if you've trained your brain and your body to just like throw those emotions aside, eventually those indicators aren't going to be there at all and you're going to find yourself in some pretty scary territory. Absolutely. And I, I think that, you know, right. intuition is something that we definitely need to listen to. But and I don't want to, you know, Monday morning quarterback this uh, incident too hard here because I respect everybody that, that was there. Um, and, you know, I should I could probably have done the same thing. 
but uh, you know, leaving it to feeling is not always the, the the best option. And we've talked about this before on this podcast, Matt, where having for me my rules it's like three three red flags and the whole thing's shut down. And uh, it doesn't. I don't leave it to feeling. It's like if I leave it for feeling, because what you like in your words, Taz, you were in flow, which is what a perfect balance between anxiety and bliss. So we can't often rely on our feelings to give us those directions. Um, that's, that's I do, I me. totally I agree with that. And I think some different jumpers have different feelings. I do jump with people who are good jumpers, but they get a lot more emotion on exit than I do. So maybe they can't really just listen to their guts and their feelings because they're like too much going on in them. Yeah. I feel for me, I feel like I should trust my guts. They're pretty spot on. They've been, obviously that's not just what's responsible, but it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, I have the free flags rule too, you know, and how many did I put down that day? Fucking yeah. 15. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's personal. I, I, I respect that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would say that even if all the flags are green and you still don't feel it, that's a, that is a solid reason not to jump because like those emotions also, are there not, for that purpose. And it's not that fun. And that's when you might make mistakes because I've seen people being a little too scared or not confident or whatever. And then I watch them react poorly when something happened because, because of those emotions. So it could potentially hurt you to have too much going on as well like but right yeah yeah like i i I try and uh advise people to be base jumping at 75 percent of both their their skill set and their emotional load you know and if if you're standing on you know an exit point and your emotional load is at 110 uh then you don't have a whole lot to uh deal with situations as they go awry well, Taz, I think we could continue talking about this for hours and uh, for the benefit of the listeners and, and this podcast. Um, why don't we wrap it up? And, um, you know, first, I just want to say thank you for having the trust in us and this platform for sharing with us, because I know you're quite an introverted person. And this is probably like talking about this is more scary than actually jumping. Um <laughs> Did, Correct. Did, did you have some anxiety coming into this or? Yes, many, many, many. I almost did it. I almost messaged Blank this morning being like, I think it's a bad idea. But then a series of events just, I don't like doing that stuff. I hate putting myself out there. I'm definitely introvert. I think a lot of people struggle to see this in me because of the way I look, but I'm actually extremely introvert. And... It was hard, but something happened that is like kind of a big deal. One, like a lot of people are curious about it. Two, there's lesson to be learned. So I kind of had no choice, I feel like. But, and, and it's with good friends. So it was easier too. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about all of this stuff, not only uh, for everyone listening, but for me and for you and for you know the sport in general. Um, I'd like to close out by first saying that you have one of the most interesting stories of ever, you know, your life story, your story <laughs> in base jumping, it's an incredible story arc. And, uh, I'd like to know if somebody were to like listen or read or be able to encapsulate like all of your story, what in particular would you like them to take away from that story? What do you want to leave behind? 
And uh, what would you like your base jumping career to have spoken for? That's such a heavy question. Um, fuck. I, I don't know. I don't, it's funny. I don't think I'm trying to leave anything behind. I think I'm just trying to take care of the people who are around me now and be happy and be kind and try to make this sport I love a little easier and better for everyone, but I'm not really trying to leave something behind. I'm just doing it here and now. And when I'm gone, I'm gone, who cares? But yeah, just be happy and be kind. I like and that. help people around you. I think that message is a beautiful legacy in itself. Yeah, right there. <laughs> Take care of the ones around you, do it now. Have yeah, a good fucking time. that's it. <laughs> that's it. Because you never know when they're going to be gone. No, you have no idea. And you may think they're gone and then they're not. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah. Man. Uh, I guess one last question then. What do you, how do you feel about being called a fallen angel? I know that's the term that we came up with uh, to uh, describe you and I think only three other people. Is that correct? Only three other people who have survived something like this? I don't really, I'm not entirely sure. I know of people who have gone through something similar. I know there have been a ton of incidents, but with some tree CAs, like parachute being opened by trees. So I don't know. Are we making like a, one category of people who really had nothing out and literally yeah. just, or just okay. surviving on their belly, being a penguin I guess, and living? I guess, yeah. I guess one of us did it as a stunt and actually did good uh, and kept his nose on. And then I think three of us got a little fucked up but survived. Yeah, that's a small club. Yeah, L fewer people than have been to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> quite so, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, how does it feel to be called a, a fallen angel? And uh, I know, don't know. I'm not... On? It depends how it's, what, what does that mean? What's a fallen angel then? Well, uh, to us, and this is what we described in the intro, was somebody that's gone so far into the death zone uh, that their consciousness literally detached from themselves for a little moment uh, to you know kind of watch their body acting in the world. Oh, yeah. And then uh, yeah. by luck and by incredible skill and by divine intervention got, you know, transported back into their body. So, you know, it, figuratively, you were basically almost an angel and then you got sent back. <laughs> <laughs> you were rejected. I like it. You got, you got spit out at the pearly gates. I like and... it. it... <laughs> All right. No, that was a good explanation. I accept being part of that. I think that works for me. Nice. I, yeah, I mean, I, I accept what happened. I regret nothing. All right. Yeah, well, she regrets nothing, and she is literally an angel in my book. So if you ever see Taz around the block, give her a hug and uh, also a hug to Plammer and everyone else that was on that jump if you ever learn who those people are. Thanks for the podcast, Taz, and thanks for uh, still being here with us. Thank you. <laughs> Well, Matt, that was uh, quite an episode. Uh, what a story. Yeah, incredible story and incredible insights from that story. I, I think, you know, there are very few people that have lived through that. So I think we're 
incredibly lucky to have gotten that perspective. Yeah, I'm really uh, flattered and honored that she was uh, felt comfortable and, and willing to share her story with us and with everybody here listening. And um, yeah, what, what an incredible thing. You know, I would like to spend some time at some point going over, you know, best practices and, and some more of the tidbits that we learned on this episode. But I think for now, um, it's time to digest what we've heard. Yeah. And also for everyone out there, I know that, uh, you know, we highlighted a lot of mistakes here and that's something that I really want to commend, uh, Taz for doing, you know, no jump goes off without mistakes and the effective jumper, the sustainable jumper admits those mistakes early and often. So while you might be listening to that story is thinking like, Oh, that's never going to be me. I'll definitely avoid all of that mistake. Like that is, quite literally how you get into the complacency mindset so like i make those mistakes she makes those mistakes everyone will make similar ones it's just about being ahead of them at the time and then once you make them admitting them so you don't repeat them again well said man so uh, thanks everybody for tuning in and uh also this podcast was co-produced and edited by mark stockwell so big shout out to him and thanks for all his hard work in this Thanks for everybody listening, and until next time. 